Welcome to those that have already been given to you, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, I was reading a little bit about St. Patrick's Day this morning and found out that it's basically about him bringing Christianity to Ireland and that the, the three leaves of the shamrock, actually it's, the legend is that he taught the Trinity using those three leaves. Had no idea. Well, this morning, um, I have the privilege, as I have some time, to bring the Word of God. Um, As Nathan already said, Tom is down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area teaching down there. And uh, so it is indeed a privilege for me to be able to bring God's Word to you and uh, to hear what He wants to say to us this morning. Before I jump into that, I want to start off this morning by taking a little journey through the social mecca we have come to know as Facebook. It's where a lot of us go when we want to know who is hanging out with who and what they're doing. And I thought this morning we could learn a little bit about some of our favorite green tree people. Let's see who Michael Dinkoff has been spending time with recently. It's hard to see, but he's got a car full of kids back there and he's sporting that fatherly glow in the morning when you have four children. And how about our youth director, Brad? Who's he been hanging out with? Well, as as we can see, the students are having a profound effect on Brad. We're thankful for that ministry. And how about Anthony and Ashley Luster? Who have they been spending time with? Oh, look at these precious little guys. And finally, who was Tom Ricks with on Valentine's Day? Aren't they a cute couple? So there's a loose connection between this and what I'm going to share this morning. Mostly it was just about retaliation after last week and the whole snowboarding debacle that Michael Dinkoff felt like was appropriate to share. And... Brad List, of course, took the video, and Tom stood giving approval. So, um, so there you have it. One of the questions I want us to think about this morning is, does someone look at our lives and know that we have been with Jesus? And so to get at that question, we're going to look at Acts 4. And if you've been with us over the last several weeks, we've been going through this series in Acts and basically kind of zooming in and taking snapshots of the early disciples and their interaction with their culture for the purpose of learning how we can better reach our culture. So this morning we're going to look at Acts 4 and we're going to see a significant event in the life of Peter and John. So let's go there now. It'll be on your screen, it'll be in your bulletin, and of course in your Bible if you brought that. Acts 4, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. 
The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He, meaning Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the book of Acts and just these picture, this picture of, of the early church and what it was like for them to reach their culture. Really, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to what it's like for us to reach our culture. So, Lord, I pray that you would come this morning, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, don't let me get in the way of what you want to share this morning. I pray that anything that is not of you would fall on deaf ears. But what is of you, Lord God, would penetrate our hearts and transform us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you just a little bit of background on this passage and sort of what brought us to this point in Acts. The book of Acts starts with the ascension of Jesus. Then there's Pentecost where the disciples receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. And then we see the disciples begin to share the message of repent and be baptized. And so it was around this time that Peter and John were heading to the temple to pray, and they came across this man who had been crippled since birth. And they began to speak with him and then healed him. And as people saw this man jumping and, and praising God, they were filled with awe and wonder, and they wanted to see what was going on. They wanted to hear what Peter and John had to say. Peter shared that it was not by their own power that they did this, but rather through the name of Jesus. So while they were speaking, the priests and the Sadducees were listening in, and they became greatly disturbed because they were preaching about Jesus being resurrected from the dead, and the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. So they had them arrested and put in jail. And then the next day, they were brought before the religious leaders or the Sanhedrin. So that's what brings us to this point in Acts. So the first thing that I want us to see this morning is that we were meant to stand out. We were meant to be different than the rest of our culture, not removed from the culture, but rather in the culture as God's set-apart people. In Matthew 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And then in John 17, verses 15 and 16, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, John records Jesus saying, 
but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So Peter and John made the world around them, made their culture a better place. And in this case, it was through healing of this cripple and by sharing life-giving truth. And a question that I think we really need to wrestle with is our culture, is Kirkwood, our surrounding community, is it a better place because of Green Tree Community Church? And perhaps an even deeper question is, my culture better because of me, because of Chip? Am I making a difference? If I was gone, would people even miss me? So let's think about what these men had just been through. They went from following Jesus to seeing him crucified, resurrected, and then being told to take the gospel out into the world and do likewise, do like Jesus had done. How did they respond? Well, they didn't just fade into the culture around them. Instead, they went out and they were actively teaching and proclaiming and healing, looking so different that they were repeatedly put in jail. We were saved for a purpose, to bring God glory and to be his witnesses to a world that desperately needs him. And the best witness is a life devoted to Jesus. Let's look at verse 13 again. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John so impressed the authorities that were opposing them that they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It wasn't because of their economic status, their education, their age, or their talent, or their skill. No, these were ordinary, unschooled men. It was because they had been with Jesus. This is amazing because it reminds us that God can use anyone. In fact, he seems to delight in using the least likely people to accomplish his purposes. I think because then he gets all the glory. God wants to use our ordinary lives to do something extraordinary. He took a shepherd boy, made him a king, he took a lowly Hebrew girl, made her queen so that she could save her people, and he built his early church on the lives of these fishermen. So what was it that astonished the Sanhedrin? What are some characteristics of people who have been with Jesus? And how does being with Jesus empower Peter and John? How does it empower us? Well, the first thing we see here is an extraordinary courage to share the truth regardless of the consequences. Remember, they had just seen Jesus crucified by men like these. It took some supernatural courage for them to get up in front of these men and share the truth regardless of the consequences. And that's exactly what it was, supernatural these men who had once deserted Jesus were now ready to die for him. 
Something else we see here is commitment. Commitment to follow the commands of the Lord over all else. Listen to verse 18 and 19, which come a little later in the passage, a little later in Acts 4. Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Isn't that awesome? They could not help speaking about what they had seen and heard. I want to be like that. I want to be so captivated by Jesus, so filled with his goodness that I can't help but speak about what I've seen and heard and experienced. We also see kindness and compassion in verse 9 and then earlier in chapter 3 when they healed the crippled beggar. If you remember, they were on their way to the temple to pray, and instead of just passing by the beggar, they stopped and they began to talk to him. And they eventually healed him. I don't know about you, but when I am busy, I have tunnel vision. It's just get to the goal, you know, my agenda over all else. And honestly, I don't know that I would have stopped. In fact, I probably would have been so consumed with getting to the temple to pray that I would have missed this man who was in need. But after connecting with the Lord in prayer, worship, and through his word, we see things differently. We see things with different eyes. We can begin to see people other than ourselves. Somebody like this, this crippled beggar. Something else we see here in this passage is forgiveness. Peter and John really understood Forgiveness. If you recall, when Jesus was arrested, the disciples scattered for fear of capture, and John was one of those. And then, of course, Peter denied Christ three times. He said, I don't know the man. And yet Jesus forgave them, said he loved them, and then he used these deserters to build his early church. One of the most powerful stories that I've ever heard that illustrates the power of forgiveness was when I was traveling through Africa and I visited the country of Rwanda. If you've ever seen the movie Hotel Rwanda or ever studied about Africa, you probably know a little bit about what happened there. There was a civil war between two tribes, the Hutu tribe and the Tutsi tribe. And basically, the Hutu tribe gained political power and began to oppress the Tutsi tribe and eventually tried to extinguish them from the face of the earth. So the civil war turned into a genocide. I remember visiting one of these sites where the massacre took place. And I will never, ever forget walking up and looking inside the door of the ravaged church and seeing all the bones on the ground. The images are ingrained in my brain forever. It was horrifying to me. And the people in our group, we just became silent. We were in awe and we just began to weep. There was nothing else that we could do in that moment. 
And I remember being in disbelief that people could do this to each other, no matter how much they hated each other. That night, we went to have dinner with um, a woman from the Tutsi tribe named Esther um, to hear about her, her ministry. She was living alone because most of her family had been killed by the Hutu tribe. And she began to tell us about her ministry. She would take blankets and food, and she would go into restricted areas, and she would care for people in need. You know, it was a great ministry, but there was nothing that really seemed extraordinary to me. I had heard a lot of, um, about a lot of ministries like this. Then the translator told us, she's going in and ministering to people of the Hutu tribe. And I remember a chill went up my spine, and I realized that this woman was serving the very people who had murdered her family. And she was reaching them for Christ, caring for them. I don't know if I've ever seen the power of forgiveness so clearly. Truly, this was an extraordinary ability to forgive. And it helped me understand how powerful it is that Jesus offers us, his enemies, salvation. And if that's not motivation enough to spend time with him, I don't know what is. Finally, connecting with Jesus helps us to use our spiritual gifts to their full. In fact, something that I've noticed is that Satan will often try to convince us that we are weak at an area that God intended to be a strength. And I've seen this in my own life. In elementary school, I used to um, perform in talent shows and do recitals and really had no fear of getting up in front of people. And then something happened in middle school, um, probably related to my Tourette syndrome and just tics and whatnot and kids uh, poking fun at me. Um, I became scared of people. I just didn't want to be around people. And I remember that the idea of getting in front of a crowd of five people horrified me all of a sudden. And it was like the worst thing I could imagine, like thinking about death. Then I graduated high school and I started attending college at the University of Texas in Austin. And I got involved with a Christian group there called Campus Crusade for Christ. And as the leaders began to learn that I was a musician and that I could sing, they would ask me to lead worship for um, the Campus Crusade meetings. Now, these were not small meetings. These were huge meetings of like 350, 400, 400 students um, every Tuesday night uh, for this meeting that we called Prime Time. And I remember I was physically ill from the thought of getting up in front of those students and doing that. In fact, the first couple times that they asked me to do it, I found a way to get out of it. Oh, well, my throat has really been sore this week. I can't do it. Or my guitar is not working. <laughs> but one of the leaders um, kept after me. And I really thank God for this. And he, he kept asking me, and I finally said, yes. Oh, my God, what 
have I done? I remember being so freaked out. Talk about motivation to connect with God. (laughs) Help me. And the truth is, he did. And little by little, he helped me get to the place where I could lead worship in front of a crowd. It was sort of this process of surrendering my fear and then trusting that Christ would sustain me. And so little by little, kind of built that confidence. And eventually, I even got where I could pray in between songs. That was huge for me. There was still kind of a little bit of comfort behind the guitar and the mic when I was just singing, but, but to actually pray or to say something. And I thought, well, this is it. God has healed me of this fear to lead worship. And I can even pray now in between songs. I'm sure glad that he doesn't want me to preach. I could never do that. So it's only by the grace of God that I stand before you today, even delivering this message. And it's really the same for me every week when I lead worship. In order to have the confidence and the creativity to do that week in and week out, I have to die to myself and fill up with Jesus. He must become greater. I must become less. So as we think about these characteristics, as we think about these traits, we can't manufacture these on our own strength. Jesus is the source. He is the power to be salt and light and to live a changed life and to transform our culture. And we have to plug into that power source every day, empowered by the Holy Spirit, whatever it looks like for you. This does not come easy for me. It is not my nature to be still or to be silent. In fact, I just grab an instrument or something. I'll tap a table just to make noise. So to teach me this, God had to strip away everything else in my life for me to recognize that he was there, that he loved me, and that he was enough. He had to remove all the junk and begin to remove the idols and tear down some walls to be able to put himself at the center of my life. I've I've heard this called the blessing of losing it all. And during that season, God taught me a lot about the importance of spending time with him. In fact, it became like food to me that I had to have to make it through each day, sometimes to make it through the next hour. As I've shared in an earlier message, we served as missionaries in Peru for three years, and when we got back, our family was really a mess. I was an emotional basket case. My marriage was in trouble, and I had some ghosts from my past that I really had not dealt with. So needless to say, I was overwhelmed. I couldn't sleep well. I would lay down at night and my mind would just be going 100 miles an hour. And so the idea of a quiet time did not work for me. In fact, time with God was more of an action-adventure time for me. I had to go run and do exercise. And I should say, I hate running. I do not have the legs or the knees or the shins for that. This was truly out of 
necessity. And basically, I just had to run and exercise until every ounce of energy in me was extinguished. And then I could finally sit before the Lord and hear from him. And God really changed my life through that season. In fact, now, when I start to feel distant from God, he reminds me of those moments, and it helps me reconnect with him now. There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis that really illustrates what I was going through, what I was feeling um, during that time. And maybe you can resonate with this from a time in your life. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I am helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. I don't change God. It changes me. So whatever you're going through in life, whether you're in a a season of trial, or a season of joy. Be with Jesus, whatever it looks like. Don't sit around and wait for the motivation to well up inside you. Find a way to spend time with Jesus. There's a reason it's called a spiritual discipline. Sometimes it starts as a sheer act of the will. Recently, I um, completed training to become a a Stevens minister. And one of the things that they really hammered into us is that Jesus is the true caregiver. Jesus is the true caregiver. And if we are empty of Jesus, we're not going to have a lot to offer other people. The power to live differently is found in Jesus, and we have to spend time with him to access it. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more the fruits of the Spirit, the more living by faith and word and deed, the more we will urgently and radically transform our culture, transform our world. So my prayer for myself and for Green Tree is that as people come in contact with us, whether it's here on Sunday morning, during the week in our places of work, whether we're sharing the gospel with them or just having a casual conversation or maybe helping somebody in need, that they would take note that we have been with Jesus and that there would be the evidence to prove it. You pray with me? Lord God, that's our prayer this morning, that we would be so filled with your goodness in your grace, that we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. That we would be lights in our culture and that people would note, maybe even be astonished, that we have been with you and that we are different because of your glory and your grace manifesting itself through us. Lord, Captivate us by your goodness and your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.